Hey everybody, I'm Chad, and this is I Want to Know. Today my guest is Tara Warburton, and I know how to say that, because I'm really, really bad at people's last names, because we're family. Yeah. Tara's my cousin. How's it going? Good, how are you? I'm doing really well. Good. I'm just going to check and make sure everything's recording the way it's supposed <laughs> to record. I talk about it all the time that I should seriously hire a producer um, uh, that would be super beneficial for me, but I don't, so I'm just going to do it all myself. Yeah. Producer, voice actor, host. Yeah, I don't think I'd like to be a voice actor. I'd like to be an author. Mm. I would like to do MMA commentating. Mm. But I'm just a insulator and a podcaster. That's it. You know, we could like do a post a post MMA um, color conversation and record that, and then post a YouTube video. Yeah, you should do that. You should like post fight. Yeah, and then like just my thoughts on the fight. Not even. You could literally like. With your phone, (laughs) just like record it while it's happening and then like post that video, edit over top of it with your commentary to that action and then post post it right to the page as as opposed to uh, live. (laughs) That way you can edit and change stuff (laughs) as you mess it up. Yeah, exactly. I have a lot of respect for the MMA commentators. We had Robin Black, uh, who's an MMA commentator on the show and and, uh, you listen to what Joe Rogan does and all the other guys and they're, they're outstanding. They, uh, they blow me out of the water. I remember that from broadcasting school about everybody wanting to be in, in live sport. And so we do live sport commentary for the, the LCC Kodiaks and whatever sport they're playing. The, the broadcast crew had to come down and do the sports for the, for the show. Yeah. And so we would, we would live commentate these for the radio show, for like for the TV broadcast, like for, and it was so bad. <laughs> it's hard to do. <laughs> you take these, you know, 19 year olds and you, and you, put them in front of a microphone and you have them try to express what's happening there without sounding like every other broadcaster that exists right. on on the market yeah. except they can't and their voices aren't aren't programmed or educated like they're not grown right so there's yeah. like they've gone through puberty, but they have, right. They haven't gone through broadcast puberty. So there's this development of your voice that happens in the process. And it, yeah. it was, it was so bad. I, I just, I, not that I think I could actually do it. I, you know, I would like to do it, but I know it takes practice like anything else. If yeah. You which listen, is why you should make these little pop-up videos, I should. right? Yeah. It would be like practicing, lending yourself take to one it. One fight and practice. Yeah. And then, I mean, like there's boxing clubs around. It's not quite the same because they just throw punches, but, um, no offense to the boxers out there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like you could go there and right, they'd be super happy to have somebody commentate the the fights while they're there, right? I and you can sit so, there yeah. and you just practice on these people where yeah. you know it's only their parents watching, anyways. I'm really good if I've had three beers and all my buddies are over. I can tell you exactly what's going on in a fight. I'm but gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> buying a stay? ticket to that show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, um, it's usually what happens when we're watching the show, and everyone says this is why they say I should be a commentary. Is that I'll be watching. I'm like, oh, he just missed an armbar. Then you hold Joe Rogan and go. Oh, and he just missed an arm bar, and you're like, "Yeah, I saw that coming." But you didn't. You didn't have the enthusiasm, <laughs> I right? Didn't have like it, it's no. it's that Joe Rogan grit. Oh, right, right? missed the arm bar. <laughs> Man, he's gonna regret that later. I am just the uh, the couch warrior, as it were. That's all I'm gonna be. <laughs> uh, but if I had a job that I would truly want to be, that's what it is. Nice. Yeah, it would take some practice. So yeah, everything does. I got uh, called out a little while ago. I've been uh, wanting to grow in all areas of my life, so reading, writing, um, and then also public speaking. So doing a podcast is not the same as public speaking. Not at all. Because this is my living room, my dining room. It's not a studio. Um, it sounds like one, maybe, but it's not. Um, 
But I wanted to do more speaking in front of live audiences, and I'm horrible at it. So I've been thinking about it. Can we'll I talk we'll to change the word horrible to uncomfortable. I'm super uncomfortable. Like, wet your pants uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hopefully just you, not the audience. Yeah. yeah. The, the, sorry. The, um, mine's really loud. Sorry, guys. I'm screaming in your ear. The, uh, so I've been thinking about it, putting it out there like, hey, I really need some challenges here. And then our church came to us and says, hey, Chad, we want you to start doing the hosting on stage. I'm like, damn it. Why do you <laughs> ask for it? And then you know you're going to get it. Yeah. So now I'm going to start. I'll, I'll have 200 or so people to hey. talk to you on Sundays. The- and and you, you get a, it's like five little things you got to do. You just got to introduce a few things and talk about the sermon for, you know, 30 seconds. So I think I could do that pretty yeah, easily. Yeah, with a very welcoming group of people. So it's a great group of people to start with. Yeah. And they're, they're, everyone's trying to coach me, like, wear dark pants in case you pee yourself. And I'm like, yeah, it's probably not going to happen. The, no, the pastor. Just get some man pens and you'll be okay, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> our uh, our pastor at our church has made us do all these like personality tests. So we it's like the disc test, but it's just yep. much more basic. So we kind of knows who everyone is and where you'll fit and where leaders go and that kind of stuff. So I think the leaders are the orange people. Um, to be, yeah. yeah. So anyways, he's like, just make sure you look at the orange people in the crowd because they're going to respond to what you're saying. Where the green people are just going to stare at you like you're from outer space. I'm like, oh, that'll make me feel uncomfortable. So I'll I'll start looking for the orange people playing a live show to an audience of green people is like the hardest thing in the yeah. whole wide world yeah the hardest thing i uh one time i decided to do uh open mic stand-up comedy because i thought Ooh, i was pretty that's funny challenging it was very different than saying funny jokes in between songs right uh, super different experience so i i remember standing there and i went down to like Lethbridge, because I, I seem to do everything for the first time in Lethbridge, so i go down <laughs> to Lethbridge. and uh, also they're probably no offense to anybody watching in Lethbridge. Um, they're, they're about 10 years behind on a lot of things yeah. and like 10 years ahead on totally different things that don't make any sense. It's a college town, right? Yeah. yeah. And so and so like fashion and music, they're like way ahead of the times of where you expect them to be. Um, jokes and social acceptance way behind the times. Um and so I was like making these jokes and they were funny. They were funny <laughs> jokes, but they were, they were like gay humor. So yeah. I was making jokes that really only people relatively in the community would understand or people who know people who are gay yeah. would get these jokes. So I would make these jokes and then be like, that was a vagina joke. <laughs> Just so everyone knows, Tara's uh, gay, so she's not up there gay bashing people. <laughs> not at all. Not, yeah. not at all. Just making, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so here I was making these jokes. They just they could not catch up to them. And like, it's hard enough to get up there and, and like, like consciously For be funny, sure. like consciously choose to be funny versus just like be in an experience and, yeah. and say jokes. Um, but to like go out there, I know that the whole point of going out there is to to get people to, to laugh. laugh. Yeah. That's so much harder. And then when they just don't understand the jokes that you're making, yeah. and then just like staring. <laughs> <laughs> Crickets in the background. Yeah, so good luck at church on Sunday. I, I listen to <laughs> a lot of comedians, Joe Rogan podcast, and then comedians very or very often will talk about the the stage person and what it takes and the practice. And like they, they literally say, you have to eat shit for like hours and hours and hours. The problem so is you can like start to do feeling, that, you have to be hungry. And yeah, yeah. you're not hungry enough to do it. <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah, I went on a diet, so. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you know what? I think there's something with age where you just don't want to be that uncomfortable anymore. I'm good with like physical uncomfortable. That That's okay. Like the, you know, standing up in stage for the first time and being a little bit nervous or running really hard or pushing heavy weights. That's all pretty 
pretty easy. I like being uncomfortable at work. I like being challenged. But that whole like stepping into a whole nother realm, I don't think I'm there anymore. Says the guy that started a podcast. Well, you know what, Nicole, uh, my wife said my my superpower is not being able to shut up. (laughs) (laughs) So... Um, sort of fits, and uh, then everyone that, that I sort of mentioned, like, oh, I was thinking about doing a podcast. Like, yeah, you should do that. You can talk for hours and hours. So, anyways, that's why we're here. Yeah. <laughs> so, tell us about um, uh, music school. Uh, 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 did I say I can talk for hours? I can't even get the words out right now. <laughs> you were in broadcast school. Yeah, <laughs way back, way back when. That's almost like. 15 years ago now. Yeah. I think um, I remember you going to film some MMA fights and asked if I wanted to be the the cable guy. And it sort of <laughs> didn't work out at the time. But yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I got to do some really cool stuff. Um, I went to school down in Lethbridge. Uh, realistically speaking, my whole, the whole reason I chose broadcast school. So, um, I'm, I'm, you know, the second out of four kids and I was the one that's, that my parents had the highest hopes for because I was the one that like went to school <laughs> Wasn't male, and studied, school. right? Didn't ride bulls and get concussed. And, um, and so like they, they were very excited for me to finish school. Uh, and I had, I had half thought of going to, to medical school and being a doctor. And then also just had like that educational burnout moment where I was just so tired of working so hard. So the yeah. idea of going to school for seven more years, just sounded like ridiculous. <clears throat> too much reading. So I took a year off, and and in that year I discovered um, autobiographies. And so I had read um, Garth Brooks' autobiography and found out that he was a radio DJ before he became famous. So really? being a budding songwriter, um, writing really crappy music, and, <laughs> and and but wanting to become famous, I was like, perfect, I'll go to radio school. Yeah. So I applied at Lethbridge College, who accepts absolutely everybody, right, which is... 20 people into a program, but they, they accept absolutely everybody. So I got into the broadcast program and, uh, it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. And I, you know, like I'm a friend of mine actually sent me a copy. I made her this, uh, uh, adult equivalent of a mixtape uh, <laughs> from broadcast school. So what I had done is I had taken content, which I'm pretty sure is illegal. I'd taken content from the radio archives and put these songs into this. And then I created the commercial breaks. So I wrote these fictional commercials. I, I, you know, like, Com, com, did the commentary, I DJ'd it, right? Like I told stories, I engaged the audience of one person. Um, and I did this for 45 minutes, right? And I played all of this, like basically gave her uh, a breakdown of, of country music because she hated country music and kind of parted through this whole country music. So she sent this back to me just last year. It's hilarious. I actually, I was really impressed with my commercial skills, my commercial writing skills. Um, but And my, my, my vocal skills were subpar but it was it was really funny I had tons of fun I used to stay I didn't go out drinking a lot in college like most college students I would like stay in the studio and just play with the stuff just play with all of the gear for hours and then I graduated and our cousin Scott uh, was doing work with the Calgary Flames so he's like hey why don't why don't you come to your practicum here so I was like that sounds super awesome yeah so I did my practicum with the Calgary Flames 2004-2005 epic year to do anything whether you're paid or not the red mile for anyone doesn't know yeah so i used to i used to um build all of the graphics and videos that would go up before the game would start and then i would hide somewhere in the arena and watch the games live it was so awesome i remember getting kicked off of the catwalk (laughs) (laughs) in the series against tampa trying to sit with beasley right to watch the game from from the announcer stand and they're like she can't be here (laughs) (laughs) had to find another place in the stands and it was it was really great and I, i probably would have been able to stay with them long term um but we obviously didn't have a 
2005 season. So I started looking for everyday jobs and I I ended up taking a job five months later in Red Deer. And um, instead of being in the radio aspect of things, mostly because of money, mostly because they pay you like $10 an hour to work a crap job in radio. uh, I took a $12 an hour to work a crap (laughs) job in television, right? And uh, lived a very short life in the TV world, the broadcasting world before I, before I left that and moved on to other So what, what are they teaching you in broadcast school? I'm actually like pretty captivated by it because I obviously broadcast, um, but I just made it all up. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, it's got to be value for it. Uh, mm, I mean, like <laughs> <laughs> these days, most of what we learned, we could probably, probably you too. Like we had some really interesting history, history stuff, you know, about like how, how mass communications came about. Um, stuff like that. The actual technical aspect of it is really, really simple, which is, is contrast. Uh, nobody's probably gonna be happy that I said that, but, um, it, it's, it's not, not simple for me. It's, it's not a, it's not a really like challenging thing, learning how to, right. You set a level, you make sure it doesn't run red too often. Right. Yeah. Okay, cool. You've learned the theory of sound. Thanks for letting me, reminding me to look again. <laughs> to take a peek, right. <laughs> right. And then, you know, like make sure you square, right. Right. You, you don't want too much on the top, too much on the bottom. Right. And that's pretty much the art of, of, of what they teach you in broadcast film. Yeah. And then, and then learning how to operate the software to edit things, which really with anything like what you're doing now, you can just, Google it. Google it, YouTube it, or spend some time messing around with the software and you'll find some cool stuff to do, which is really all I did during college is because I stayed in the studio and just played with everything. Yeah. Until like two or three o'clock in the morning and then I'd be up at five or six in the morning to come back to school <laughs> and I, I don't understand how I managed to do that and survive. Um, it's a passion, right? It was you, so you much fun. You can do it forever if it's your yeah, passion. Yeah, it was so much fun. If I was smart back then, I would have learned that I could have recorded my own demos in the studio yeah, yeah. at that time, but I didn't quite figure that component out there. Yeah. <laughs> I was part. listening to a, a podcast prod, a podcast producer that had gone through school and did his sound tech stuff and all that, and they were asking him how valuable it was. He goes, by the time I graduated, there was all new stuff out. Yeah. Like, the basics are the same, but the equipment is changing so quickly yeah. that if you have the basics, that's all you need, then you can just figure out the next piece of equipment. Yeah, I or, mean, every piece of software changes so vastly. Every yeah. every piece of technology changes so vastly. So, like, if I was to go and sit down and look at, at cameras and stuff today, they would not be even remotely close to what I was learning on in school. I mean, like, we were using SVHS t- tapes, so that should say a lot. But, um, like, even our digital, we had one digital camera, I think, in the whole group, but even that component isn't there. We had, you know, uh, mini-disc recorders for our interviews. That doesn't exist anymore. Like, those yeah. are, right, That those are relics. And, and it's so quickly... That that stuff goes out of out of out of style. Yeah. At the end of the day, yeah. Um, the software it does new things inside the software. So if you update softwares, you got to relearn that component. Yeah. The rest of it is you plug it in, right? Set a level. Yeah. And everything else is cool. Creative. Well, now I'll save some money and I'll go to broadcast school yeah. and just do a little more googling. Yeah. Just, just, <laughs> just Google. It's <laughs> all I do anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, are you recording music still? Yeah, um, I'm, I've uh, just finished recording uh, an EP that I should likely be releasing in June. Um, so, <laughs> this is called "I Want to Know." You have to explain right? everything. Right? Okay. Get. <laughs> so, so an album, I believe, is what they would have called an LP, right? So it's the okay. length of it, yeah. and an EP is essentially a short play. There's probably actually a better explanation for it, which we could Google. Um, <laughs> 
If Google's if looking to sponsor produ- for things. If um, I had a producer, then we'd have you here, and he would just put it up on the screen. Like, well, right? this is what an EP and is. And then we would sound smarter, yeah. and I would like that. So, <laughs> um, yeah. I'll get, I'll get Eric on board right? to, to so do this, it, yeah. Essentially, it's just, a, it's just a short album. It's, okay. it's basically to say, um, you know, it's under eight songs, um, I okay. think is kind of the mark. I'm not 100% on that, but I believe it's under eight songs, and it's considered an EP. It's just a short cool. release of songs. Yeah. Um, EPs used to be what you would, would release... Uh, mostly for a demo um, or in between really long periods between albums. Um, Now it's one of those things because of the way that music's being marketed is just kind of like it's almost every other thing is an EP release. Well, can't you now just drop a song on YouTube or uh, SoundCloud or something like that and make as much money off of you would through a, yeah. a radio station or a Well, producer. I don't know about radio stations. Um, I mean, it's hard hard to get content onto radio stations because yeah. they're, they're basically run by labels. But um, to release a song to a distribution channel for for people to hear it is super simple. Yeah. And because, because of the way um, people are... are consuming right uh you need to be constantly releasing anymore yeah um so i mean you'll see these these artists that maybe nobody's ever heard of before but people are starting to hear and they're like three million listens on (laughs) spotify this year and you're you as somebody here would be like that's so awesome that's epic and realistically they made three grand in the course of that year for people to stream their song three million times which is absolutely ridiculous what they're getting paid for their content to be out there. Yeah. Um, but if they're not constantly releasing, then the next best thing comes up and kind of swoops in and takes that space. Yeah. And so, you know, like people will follow, they'll follow their favorite artists and they'll follow their favorite unknowns, which is really wonderful. But if there's not new food, new music to consume, right, they will find something new and right. until that, that arrives again. And, and so most um, I think most people are choosing to release in between or yeah. released acoustic, right? It's really easy. You can set up at home, do acoustic yeah. recording, right? Have it mastered, put it on, put it on iTunes and Spotify really quickly for cheap. Um, and by cheap, I mean, it's like you can release an EP for a thousand bucks or whatever oh, wow. for recording. Like yeah. it's, it's not as expensive as it used to be anymore. Yeah. That is of course, um, not paying other musicians to play for you, yeah. which is the misfortune is that, you know, I, you know, even with me, I didn't, I didn't pay other musicians to play on my, on my EP and it broke my heart. And I, and I have chosen that the next one, I will save the 10, $15,000 it's going to take me to record, you know, just about as many songs so I can pay other people to do it. Yeah. Um, but the likelihood of recouping that cost is low, low. Yeah. Yeah. You need, you need to create volume to get grants to offset the costs so that you can pay people to do it so that you can release it and not get paid. For people to listen to it, says I even heard in the movie industry they're picking actors to do jobs because of their social media following. Hundred percent. So if you can get free advertising because you got whatever well, uh, Chris Pratt on the on there because he's got four million followers. Bird Box is a really great example about how that industry is going to start shifting here as well. Yeah. Right. So it used to be you have to wait for the big blockbuster release, right? Eventually, if you either go watch it in the in the theaters, and then from the theaters, right, maybe people would buy the DVD, but nobody's buying DVDs anymore. So the distribution model is starting to change. Yeah. And because the distribution model is starting to change and we love to stream things, Bird Box came out direct 
to Netflix. Right. Lots of movies are doing that now, and Amazon Prime is the same thing. Hundred percent. And so it's starting. It's starting to shift. And so um, that social media following is going to become more essential because they can market it before it gets to right. They can market it basically for free. Right. Right before it. So the marketing costs are dropping, which means you know the overall budget of the film is is dropping. Yeah, people are spending less money in the theaters. I mean, when it's a seventy-five dollar outing to go on a date anymore, yeah. um, nobody wants to do it. When you can pay ten dollars to subscribe to a, Amazon, a, a distribution Netflix, model, any of those, yeah. and so I mean, like that's going to shift. That's going to shift that industry too, and the compensation in that at market as well, which is really challenging. Because when we look at that, when we look at at these distribution models, there has to be a way to fund the art. And so right now with yeah. music, right there. The people are juggling in how to discern how do we fund the art. It seems like I would I listened to. I'm trying to remember who it was. There was a bunch of um, uh, artists that were on Joe Rogan talking about. You know, we didn't get as rich as what everyone thought we did. The the, the, the label took all the money, and the Netflix and and Amazon have done really good at funding uh, movie makers and actors and stuff like that. They need something like that in the movie industry as well, uh, or sorry, in the music industry as opposed to the movie industry. Like they yeah. they should have some kind of system in place where they go, oh, you know what, we really like this artist. Let's give her ten thousand bucks, and we're going to put up four of her songs into her thing, and we'll see how popular they are. <laughs> I think I think that's essentially what Factor does, but that isn't what Factor does. Factor basically looks at all of the numbers from everything you've been presenting, and then discerns whether or not you should get a grant. So to they do want it. you to do all the work first. Yeah, and that, I mean that's the way the label market is going as well. And in the majority of cases, now independent labels are trying to create something new, which is really neat to watch. Um, but the the labels these days are signing people who've already created their brand instead yeah. of finding people who are worth creating as a brand. Right. And so it used to be that they would take somebody and be like, oh my God, people need to hear this music. This is awesome. We as a company will make so much money. They as a person will make so much money. It's going to be really good. And now what they're saying is, oh, this person already has people following them. This person already has uh, a really great branding in place. Oh, this person already, right. And so because that's already in place, now we'll toss money in their direction. Yeah. Which... Um, if it was me, if I was in a position where a uh, label ready. was looking at me that way, I'd be like, what do I need you for? Right. Yeah. Nowadays. I don't you, need to give you 70% of my earnings at this point. It needs to go back to like the 50s and 60s where they hear somebody or see someone like, we'll make you a star. Exactly. And you, you, yeah. you pay them and you move them up there. And uh, I just heard about music labels just doing horrific things to artists like, you know, uh, booking private jets. Uh, to take them here and there and then not tell them, well, that's coming out of your share, not our share. Yeah, like, well, it's like, uh, it's things like um, Everclear. You remember the band Everclear? Yeah. Okay, I think they just stopped touring. I think just now. I wow. think just in the last little bit they stopped touring. If you ever look down at, um, it used to be the back alley, now it's the marquee down in, in yeah. Calgary here. They all have bands like that pop through, right? Um, where you're like, I know that band. Yeah, from college or from, for yeah. you, like your 25s, <laughs> right? So whatever, 35s. Um, but, but, I think so, you just called me old. Older. <laughs> older. Older, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but so uh, that model was basically there, there would be an advance. Yeah. And so they would get an advance because because it looked like they would be were big. They looked like they were going to be big. So they got these monster advances, which really was the equivalent of a loan. Yeah. And so they would owe the record company a million dollars. Yeah. Or songs or albums Until or whatever. Until they got it. So. And so they would own the they would own the CDs. They would like they'd own all of the rights until yeah. they got their money back. And so 
Um, I mean, obviously you would have the people, the one hit wonders who came through, started like they were going to have a good buzz, never carried Millie on. Vanilli. <laughs> no, <laughs> that aged me, didn't it? <laughs> Is that ice cream? Um, <laughs> Uh, it's the only bad I could think of. I'm so not uh, <laughs> a good at remembering. Yeah, Millie Vanilli you. had more than one hit. Um, okay. They just got caught <laughs> lip syncing, and so oh, right, because right. they got caught lip syncing, the quality of the, uh, the of their the, the opinion of the public of them dropped dramatically. Right. Yeah. Just because they, they were the ones caught. Yeah. It's like steroids in sports. Yeah. All and Ashley Simpson. It. So it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, cool. So you got an album coming out, you said, probably yeah. in the summertime. Yeah, I think I'm going to release it again in June. Like, everything's back. Um, the Masters, I, I listened to them, like, two weeks ago, and I, nice. I have no notes for the guy other than you did fantastic. So please give them to me. I would like to pay you money, Yeah, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> please give them to me. I'd like to pay you money, and then I can start to kind of put together the pieces for to, to release it. Where, where are you going to release it? Uh, the, you know what? I, that's the pieces I need to put together. So, you know I, I don't necessarily get this part. So yeah. I get the, the creating part. Yeah. I can write a song. I can sing a song. I can sit down with somebody and we can make it sound really cool. Yeah. In my opinion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We've seen you live. It's good. Right? It's decent. It's decent. Um, but this whole like now I have to market it yeah. component is really challenging. And so like who do I want to play with? Who do like am I going to bring a full band in with me? Um, what venues would I like to play? There's a list of them that would make sense as to like these are great places to go. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and then I have to establish those connections. And, and I have a few friends who I'm hoping will help me do that, um, building those plans. And then yeah. the branding of it. The branding, right? Because it is a branded event. It is not just Tara's going to go play some songs at a cafe, right? right? Listen and sip coffee. It is literally, this event is actually about me. Yep. Um, I should introduce you to Ryan McMahon. Um, His wife, I think that's what she does. Uh, Okay. Kathleen Lundgren, now McMahon. I think they're married. It's awful. Tell you what I want to know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why my brain doesn't work as well. Make sure anymore. you ma- make sure you have uh, yeah. hashtag Ryan in this one so he can answer our questions. I will. Yeah, <laughs> he uh, he's pretty good at answering me. Um, and he said he was going to introduce me to Wide Mouth Mason and yeah. Fifty Four Forty, and so we'll see. Lots yeah. of people make promises that they can't always. I used keep. to like love love Wide Mouth like love Wide Mouth Mason. Yeah, yeah, love them. Epic. He's just. He's so fun to watch too. Like just this tiny little guy and this voice and like he shreds. Yeah. He's. Do you know who Matt Anderson is? The name sounds very familiar. So he's a Southern blues singer out of New Brunswick, Nova Scotia. He's like a four, no, let me be polite, about a 350 pound uh, redheaded guy. He he looks like he's from New Brunswick. Like he just fits all the stereotypes. Like he came out of the potato dirt? But yeah, exactly. But uh, <laughs> he um, he is like an amazing singer. He's going to be in Calgary here in two weeks or three nice. weeks. So we've invited him on the podcast. I'm I'm really good friends with his uh, cousin here in Not town. Not to brag. Cool. Not to brag, but uh, yeah, I'm, he's trying to work it out. But I know what it is with artists, right? Like yeah. they, especially if you're touring like he is, he's going to get Very in from specific dates. Yeah, he's yeah. going to get in from Europe probably in a couple of days. He'll play a couple shows in BC and then he'll fly to Calgary and then he'll have to go. Or, or take his bus to Calgary, what he was doing, and have to go somewhere else. So trying yeah. to catch them in between is kind of my my talent, as you, <laughs> as you can Yeah, say, it's uh, super hard. Yeah, it's difficult, but you find out when they have windows, and you set up, you move, you do whatever yeah. you have to do to get in there. But he would be a fantastic one. He's got a voice. If everyone... 
Will this be up? This will be up before he uh, doesn't show up. Anyone gets a chance, go check out Matt Anderson at the Jubilee. It'll blow your mind that right. comes out of a Links pudgy- below. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't figured out how to do that yet. Now I gotta spend all You're Sunday welcome. figure this out. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I love blues music. It's mm-hmm. um, there's something about it, especially someone that's really good at it. Or yep. just yep. literally the first time I saw him in concert was at the, oh, what's the venue called? It's in Banff. It's like a little theater in Banff. only holds like 250, 300 people. I was in tears listening to him. Like it just shakes you to the core. And you cry a lot. I Well, I am a bit of a crier. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I don't know that to be true. Yeah, just, no. Just, and uh, yeah, I wasn't... <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about this. We have a group meeting we do every Thursday. It's just yep. other families get together with to support each other and that. And all these tests that I do just come up like Chad has no compassion. Like <laughs> <laughs> this test, uh, the personality test at church. And they're like, oh, we better not put you in kids ministry because <laughs> you just don't care. And I sort of don't care. Like, I, like I'm not that emotional person. But when I find something that I'm passionate about, I'm super yeah, passionate connect, about it. Yeah, that's it. Just if your dog's dying, I'm like, that's what dogs do. They die. I'm not too worried or excited about it. At some point in time, we all do it. Yeah. Yeah. All living things. Yeah. It's no secret. None of us get out this alive. So do what's fun. Do what's exciting. Go after your goals. We were talking about that before the show started, about uh, going after goals. And so you've succeeded in quite a few things in your life. I can be pretty determined if I want to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can do that. What are your uh, favorite or favorite? What's the biggest goals? The biggest ones? Yeah. What are the ones that you were most proud of? Oh, gosh. Um, oh, good goodness. <laughs> <laughs> put me on the spot and make right? me put it in yeah. the links. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think I, I kind of pass by the 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 thing right like the 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 specific event leaves me and yeah. it's just more more as I the who I become like in those processes first time right? singing on stage so I think that was in college yeah um yeah I think that was in college they had like a talent show and I um my boyfriend at the time Isaac uh he convinced me to sing, I think we sing three songs. We grabbed Darren Newton, who was a drummer from my broadcasting class. Did, and did Isaac, Isaac sing too? He didn't sing, but he played guitar. He okay. came up and he played, he played guitar. And we sang some songs, um, uh, like cover songs, like Disarm. We sang Disarm. Okay. I vaguely remember that. And uh, uh, Linger. Do you remember the song Linger? I think so. Yeah. I'm, and I can't remember else, but we sang, we sang a couple of songs and I did that. And when I... Uh, I didn't really play a ton. When I when I moved to Red Deer for television, I I started thinking about doing a couple of open, open mics out there. And then when I came back to Calgary, it was 2007, and I decided I was going to like play music for people. Yeah. And for the pretty much any time before that, I was just like I was singing in my living room, I was singing by the campfire, mm-hmm. right? And um uh just keeping it mostly to myself or to the handful of people who'd be in the room. I was very uncomfortable with people around. Yeah. And 2007, I was just like determined I was going to sing songs in front of people. Awesome. So I started um, with Country 105's uh, songwriting or uh, it wasn't entirely just songwriting, but it was the, the songwriting aspects what drew me in. But they do uh, a, a, a contest every year yeah. uh, for country music 
in Calgary. And, okay. and so I decided to go, I, I would go do this thing. So I did the audition, which like I was ready to vomit. <laughs> and I remember like running <laughs> off stage because I was so uncomfortable. And I was like literally running to the bathroom. And this <laughs> guy was sitting, you know, right in front of the girl's washroom door. Like, so he's, he's you can't see me because you're probably just listening. I got but your hands in there. I have my hands in here. So he's he's here right at the table and I need to go right here to the bathroom and I'm trying to walk by here and he grabs me by the arm and he's like, that was so awesome. Mm. And I was like, who are you? And leave me alone, right? And he's one of my best music friends to the state, Lee Taylor. Um, if you're ever listening or looking to listen to old country music, uh, he sings Johnny Cash like nobody else in the city. Love he's so, Cash. so fantastic. Um, but he pulled me aside and, and you know, he gave me a boost of confidence. And we've been great friends ever since. And, cool. um, you know, I, I made it to the finals in that. And all of a sudden I started thinking like, maybe I'm like not too bad at this. And yeah. started playing a few more shows around. And Cool. Do you play very often now or mostly just writing, um, recording? Is, I've started playing more shows in the last year. Yeah. Um, when I started walking again, like I'd written a whole new batch of songs while I was sick. And so I I, I wanted to share them because I really liked them, which is why I recorded them. Yeah. Um, and I and so I started playing a, a couple more. It is so hard to juggle them, to, to juggle like booking shows and working a job and you know, writing, writing music and taking care of health and pretending you're going to launch a podcast. And, <laughs> right. Good Lord. If I had kids, I don't know how I would, right. Like, yeah. There's so many. It, you know what? I find that having good people around you. So I talked about the podcast for two years. Yeah. I had the equipment for a year and a half. I had a friend, Mark, who used to co-host with me. So, Hey, come over. Let's, let's mess around with it. See what's going to, uh, how it's going to go and you know how I feel build a flow yeah. yeah and just try to work on stuff and then he's just like yeah I don't want to do this if you're not going to um, actually commit to a time so I'm like oh okay well <laughs> then let's do it this day right. and then we just started recording and then once I get focused on something I can't stop so yeah I, uh, I'll I'm, dig deep to get guests I'm and, very much the same way which which is why I've, I've been so lucky to accomplish things um, is because once I once I grab onto an idea like I, I want to see it through fruition um I, I have to do that and so um that can cause chaotic chaos in my life mm-hmm. um which is why i have to know when date day is because if i don't <laughs> i will like obsess and just kind of like dive into a thing yeah and sometimes i take on maybe more things than i need to in in one sitting and so it's a it's right now it's about letting things go so i can i can do more of those those components that i yeah. love right scheduling the time for my podcast on you know sunday afternoons and, and yeah. people serenade me in my living room so. <clears throat> it's so hard to, to squeeze everything in but it's possible yeah. that's that's the thing like hard shouldn't stop anyone from doing anything that's 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 the if it wasn't hard everyone would be doing it and Uh then there'd be no point in you doing it exactly (laughs) it'd be boring yeah that's it and i mean having good family i got a wife that supports everything i do whether it's stupid or or good (laughs) my kids they they make fun of me but (laughs) <laughs> they, okay. they, they honestly support you know the, support there's him. worse dads they could have right yeah than, for sure yeah I don't hit them that, that things, often right <laughs> yeah. yeah I feed them most of the time yeah. I'm a pretty good dad <laughs> we're just talking about that you know I feed them if they'll eat <laughs> right exactly well uh, this is the bad dad I used to get mad at them when they didn't eat and yeah. the, my wife being a holistic nutritionist would say hey, it's okay if they don't eat I'm like what no sit down and eat your damn dinner yeah. uh, now I don't do that anymore yeah. I just yeah. try to encourage yeah. them to get better food in them. <laughs> yeah, really? Put down the 
pop tarts and go get a carrot. Just eat the carrot first. Can you eat a carrot and then the pop tart? I don't even actually care if you take the carrot, dip it into the pop tart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> smear it around in there. That and, sounds oh, disgusting. Yeah, I can't even. But we imagine. should try that right before you commentate the uh, MMA fight. Okay, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll eat almost anything <laughs> unless it's like slimy. I don't like slimy things. Mm. Although, so we were talking uh, earlier that you had some hearing damage because, yeah. and you thought it was due to hunting. So mm-hmm. I saw yesterday that the RCMP took the money out of my account for my Pell license. So I'm pretty sure it'll be here in the next nice. uh, week or two. Hopefully it comes out of New Brunswick or Nova Scotia or something. Yeah. So yeah. And then I've got a bunch of buddies who are going to take me out hunting. So nice. the only part of this, like the guns I don't have a fear about, um, I have a healthy fear of. Uh, the, the going out, hiking, all that. I know I'm going to love that. Gutting in the animal is the only thing I'm not sure that I can do yet. So for me, it was kind of the same same thing. Like I don't hunt anything I don't eat. Yeah. Um, that's important that's, to me, right? Yeah, like I, I'm not a, I'm I'm not a trophy it. hunter. Um, and not that I have I have any problems with people who are. I just know for me it doesn't suit. Um, but for me, I made it moderately ceremonious. So I did a little bit of research as to like First Nations hunting, right? Because, you know, my, my mom's heritage, whatever. But I, uh, I did some research and I... Um, I kind of like looked into the the ceremonies of the process. And so like I plant tobacco before I go. I say a prayer to the elders before I go out to talk yeah. about the hunt. What, um, what's the planting tobacco thing for? Uh, it's for the elders. So, um, right, like the elders would pass the pipe. Yeah. And so um, in theory, you take the, the tobacco, you put it into the earth because that's where the elders go. Yeah. And so you're giving the elders... A smoke for their pipe, huh. um, and so it's it's just that communion essentially. Very it's cool. Thing. I've never heard that yeah. before. And so I so I, I plant the tobacco right. If you're going to take something, you always plant something back. Yeah. Um. And uh. And I and when I'm in the process of dressing the animal, which is a nicer way of saying gutting the animal. Yeah. Okay. Field dressing the animal. Um. I pray. I pray to the animal the whole time. I think if we're giving its life to me, yeah. right. I I let it know how it's going to nourish me, and and then I can kind of distract myself from what I'm really doing. Yeah. Um. Because it's not it's not about that immediate thing that's happening it's about what this is going to be and what this is going to do right. and it detaches me from right and it's gratitude to the life that that's in front of me yeah and and i found that helpful i've been watching a ton of videos on um uh, how other people dress an animal how you you know uh, quarter it in the field yep. all that kind of stuff so i've been and video is easy, right? There's no smells, there's no textures, there's no nothing. So I think I'm going to be okay, and we'll find out. I mean, it's just don't, just don't cut the stomach. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah. That's it. Everything else, you'll be fine. Yeah, just don't cut the stomach. I found um, so even even being sick, I I still went hunting. Like I refused to give up hunting, yeah. and it was super super challenging. Um, the first year when I went hunting, um, I went hunting with my brother. And then the second year, we couldn't line up our schedule, so I went hunting in the area where my brother lived, knowing that he could help me. And uh, I ended up uh, uh, catching one of my catching, <laughs> right? <laughs> shooting one of my one of my bucks, and I and I uh, had it at the bottom of a hill. And physically, I didn't have the strength to to pull it up. Like I barely had the strength to hold the gun. Yeah. Like I had to find a prone position where I could just sit and wait. Um, and so, like there was just no way I was pulling 150 pounds up the side of the hill. So I, you know cowboyed it up and I found a lasso I found a rope in the back of the right a, a, a lasso as city people would call it I found I found one in the back of the truck so I kind of like ran it down tied it around the antlers and backed the truck up until the deer was at the top of of the hill yeah. and then kind of like 
15 minutes later, drug it the four feet to the back of the truck. And this, and, and in my head, I could do this. Like I was so determined I can get this thing in the back of the truck. Yeah. It can't be that hard. I'm just <laughs> pulling, like I can drag it on the ground. I can, I can drag it into the back of the back of the truck. And I, I Picking swear up to dead weight. So different, right? Totally <laughs> different. For 45 minutes, I fought trying to pull. I tried like every, every physics, you know, design <laughs> I could come up with. And- yeah, exactly. <laughs> trying to get this thing up. And I, you know, I, I finally, I called back to the house and my little sister was in, in, uh, visiting my brother as well. So she drove the five minutes out to the field where I was and it was literally two minutes and it was back in the back of the truck and nice. it was done. 45 yeah. minutes of struggle for yeah. two minutes of real work. Um, <laughs> That's the difference between people that go after their goals though, right? Yeah. Like you don't necessarily put a timeline on it. I mean, you should have somewhat of a timeline, but you're like, I could do this. Every, just, I'm going to do until I have nothing left in my body. I am determined I'm making this happen. Right. And then I will call for help. Yeah. Um, that's typically how I operate. I was uh, talking to my daughter's track coach about this because it's <clears throat> something that I don't think people understand, that most people operate at less than 40% of their capacity. And I think it was uh, Socrates that said, what a shame it is to live your whole life and not know the limitations of your body. And in MMA, we test the limitations of our bodies all the time. In martial arts, you just want to know what your pain tolerance how long you can be choked for, how long they can pull on your arm, how far you can physically push your body. So at a young age doing martial arts, I learned that stuff right away. Oh, I just threw up. That must mean I'm done. (laughs) Oh, hang on a second. I can clean this up. I could probably do another round. And you go and you're like, oh, that's not the end. Um, Hopefully my daughter's not listening. She never listens to my podcast. But she moved from being a sprinter into being a medium distance runner. And so she's like, well, let's go give it a try. We're supposed to be learning the 1200. So I'm like, let's go to the gym. We'll do our warm up. We'll do our exercises, stretches. I said, the only rule is I don't care how long it takes you. You just have to finish the race. So whether we do it together or whatever. So she gets out on the track, starts running, wants to do it by herself. I'll just time her. I'm hitting the laps. She gets to 1,000 meters. She's like, Dad, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I'm like, just run. It's 200 more meters. Just just go, 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 go. And she quit. She like tears in the eyes a whole nine yards. So I'm like, all right, go sit down and rest. And I went out and I had to like, gather myself I was so angry uh, that the quitting I'm like you could have walked 200 meters and finished the race and that was it and I even said that like don't stop come on let's go let's just walk it walk it off and you can com- uh, complete it the first time which turned out to be good in the long run anyways so what happened was she sat down I went and ran my 1200 got my time sat down beside her and I'm like listen we're not going home till you do 1200 so you can get out there and walk it you can get out there and run it. You can do it any way you want to do, but either you're doing it or they have to kick me out of the gym. And she knows I'm not going to leave yeah. quietly. So <laughs> she had to sit there for a few more minutes. And I walked a couple laps and I came back and I said, are you ready? And she's like, yeah. And she gets out and she runs it no problem. Does it like, I think she did it in like seven minutes or something. Like it was a good time still. Yeah. I'm like, why didn't you just do that the first time? Like you were right there and you quit. And she's like, I don't know. Like she goes, but I, I'm, I'm sort of glad that it happened. So now she realizes there's part of her brain that goes, oh, you shouldn't do this anymore. Yeah. And it's not even true. There's this really amazing uh, video uh, that I would recommend for for sure. There's this uh, high school student in the states uh, who developed MS at a really young age, and okay. she didn't know. And she so she was playing soccer, and she started to develop or started to show symptoms of MS. Um, and so she was told she couldn't play soccer anymore, but she loved being active, so she just went on to be a runner. And this is before they actually diagnosed it as MS. And so one of the things would happen while she was running, and she'd run long distances, is that her body would go numb, mm-hmm. and so she physically could not feel it while she was moving. Wow. But if she just didn't stop moving. Um, then 
she would, would just do the same thing over. Yeah. And over if so, again. if if she just if she just kept moving, if she just didn't stop, her body would let her keep doing it. And so she actually became a champion runner. Um, even though like MS, but like literally at the finish line, she'd have to get caught because the moment she would cross the finish line, she would yeah. know it was done and her legs would give way and she couldn't walk. Just and they'd have to, to pack the- her full of like ice to cool her body down because that's one of the prime symptoms of MS is like overheating causes uh, increase in symptoms. Yeah. And so they'd have to pack her with ice to get her to cool down and it would be, it'd be a, a long time post run before her body would even let her stand up again. Wow. And so she'd have to get caught at the finish line, but it was just this idea of this is what I do. This is me. I'm running. Yeah. And it was like, I, I remember watching that and thought that was so awesome. Courtney DeWalter. She's kind of the, the top of, uh, ultra marathons right now for women anyways. Yeah. Um, talks about that, that she just gets into a zone and she just keeps going okay. like her first, I think it was called the two fifty Moab. It's like 260 miles yeah. or something like that. She beat the second place person by 11 hours she had one one minute nap and one 20 minute nap and she basically ran for i think it was 39 hours or something and she ran 250 some yeah, miles it's incredible yeah, it's but nuts. she talks about she goes blind during the run um she goes she can't feel her legs she hallucinates and all of it doesn't matter she's like oh i'm running this yeah. is what i do the body you yeah. know the pattern of the movement yeah yeah when i first got sick um one of the things because i was i was uh training for a triathlon at the time and so one of the things that i didn't want to do when i suddenly couldn't walk um was lose all of this this physicality that i had gained in this idea of training for for it so there's a set of stairs that was behind my condo at the time and i i was just like okay every day you're gonna go to these set of stairs and you're just gonna walk up and down them mm-hmm. as as many times as you physically can no matter how long it takes you yeah and so here would be me right a 34 year old girl with a cane and her arm on the on the railing and like every step was labor just labor i would get up like i don't know six steps and i was out of breath and i couldn't breathe wow. and it and i would go up and down these steps i was getting passed by seniors seniors with <laughs> heart conditions right who were walking because their doctor told them to like i was getting right like yeah. there's a guy with a hip replacement moving faster than me right like the only person who couldn't beat me was the person in the walker and it's only because it's hard to lift up the stairs like i was like patsing along and i was determined and i was out of breath and i was like the the shaky leg syndrome that you get at the end of leg day was how yeah. i started like every wow. step was this and i would just i would fight through it and it'd be like 45 minutes later and i did these stupid things like three times and then i'd be like okay we'll go back tomorrow and i would expect for the amount of labor that it would be that it would that the next day I would be in so much pain from all the lactic buildup that yeah. I wouldn't be able to do it, right? Because my body, my muscles were telling me every step that this Shouldn't was too, this. I, this is too, this is the end of your muscle. And then I wake up the next day and my muscles, there would be zero pain to them. There'd be mm. zero lactic buildup. And then I'd be like, okay, well, I guess you got to do those stairs again. <laughs> so I go back to the stairs, right? And same thing, you're going to do these for as long as it takes you for as many times as you can get through it. And it would be the same thing, another 45, 60 minutes to go up and down them four times yeah. and still, and, and, and I was just like, I was just determined I was going to be doing something. I yeah. was going to keep moving until I couldn't move. Yeah. And then they told me that was probably causing more problems than. Wow. So than what, not. what was it? What were you diagnosed uh, with? They then? just, they just finally took them 22 months, but they just diagnosed it as fibromyalgia. Okay. I'm uh, hit or miss on that one. Um, 50% of the time I'm like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And the other 50% of the time I'm like, but I'm just really tired. Yeah. Um, and, and so the, yeah, fibromyalgia, uh, which in theory is saying my central nervous system is not responding properly. Yeah. Um, and it comes with, uh, really strong fatigue as a symptom. So like I tend to be much more tired than the average person and my muscles. And, and this is the part where I'm not like, I just can't tie, tie to it, but 
the neurologist can't tie it to my nerves. My muscles just don't do it. They yeah. just don't. Like they're there. Yeah. You can see them. They're they yeah. they have they are strong, but they just don't. They're not firing. They just don't do it. Yeah. Hmm. They just, but apparently if you try to send electricity through them, which they did, um, it fires perfectly normally through the muscle and through the nerves. But when my body is telling them to do it, they just don't do it. Do you know who um, uh, David Goggins is? No. Okay. So but I want to know. Get his book. It's amazing. So he's, uh, it's heartbreaking actually. The The book is about his entire life. So uh, I'm going to get some of this wrong, but you'll get the gist. Uh, grew up in a home, got his ass handed to him. Like his dad would beat him with a belt at six years old until the dad was too tired to do it anymore. Like horrific, horrific mm-hmm. life. Um, him and his mom got out of that situation. Uh, grew up in a town where he was the only black kid. So lots of racism, uh, I'll get to the point. <laughs> uh, so anyways, beca- because of this yeah. stuff, he became this amazing athlete, became a um, Navy SEAL and a Ranger and went through the military and, and beat uh, every record in there. And he became, um, uh, broke the world record for pull-ups. Like he's just a kind of guy that likes to punish himself, does ultra marathons, all that kind of stuff. Uh, top at everything he does but it just came a time where his body stopped working the the muscles stopped firing he felt sick and tired all the time and he's like that's not who i am as a person like i'm just i'm not supposed to be tired i'm not supposed to be the person that feels like i'm gonna faint uh, uh, that i can't make it through there and so there was a couple times where he lined up for uh ultra marathon get half a mile in and just like the body was shut down he's like i got nothing And what he realized was for years, he had done all this hard exercise and never stretched anything. And he started digging into what yoga is and what uh, proper stretching does. And his muscles were so tight in his body. And his, I think, was the extreme. Like he said, he had a knot on the back of his uh, head, at the top of his spine, um, where his hip flexors were. There were softballs instead. Like literally, he says, they would bump out of his skin. But he says, any tight muscle will restrict something. So blood flow, nerve action, your nerves are all in a sheet right and so yep. when your muscles move they move if you get pinches or tight spots on them they stop moving and stop firing properly he just started stretching every day he literally will do up to eight hours of stretching in a day and he was back in i think a year and a half to doing marathons ultra marathons again nice. and it was just through stretching there was you know all the doctors like you're fine your, your muscles fire you're not tired your blood flow is good he had a, a standing heart rate of, i think of 32 a resting heart rate of 32 like everything was good for him and he just started stretching every day and it all went away. Hmm. Um, well, you could have given me that news 22, uh, I didn't 22 know, months ago. I, I didn't know what was going on with ago. you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not a doctor. I don't know if you noticed. No lab coats. Oh, the, no. Things, the things that I tried in the last 22 months um, to find ways to, to gain energy or to get the body moving. And like I tried absolutely everything. Yeah. Um, and it, and it's, it's fascinating, um, you know, to find that the small little things that would help even just a little bit. Um, and then the things that, you know, like it wouldn't make sense. It still doesn't make sense to me that I can sleep for like 12, 13 hours, but wake up and I'm like, I'm not rested. Right. That doesn't make sense. Like I am not the person who will come home at five o'clock and need to sleep. I'm the type of person who stays <clears> up <throat> until 11 or 12 and wakes up at five o'clock in the morning. But instead yeah. I'm the person that wakes up at five in the morning and in, is like, ready to go to bed at five o'clock at night and sleep through until five o'clock in the morning. That doesn't make like that makes zero. Like, I don't know how with where I am today, how I made it through college (laughs) (laughs) on my three hour a night sleep schedule. Like they just, they don't line up. And I was three hours a night, totally alert, 
high energy, still active. Yeah. Um, and now it's it's like it was literally overnight. It just stopped. I literally couldn't get out of a chair. Yeah. Overnight. That's crazy. Yeah. It was super. It was super. That that random. His was the same way. It just it was out of the blue and everything just stopped working. Like uh, you get done. You know, I can't remember the name of it, but they run through Death Valley. Yeah. Um, you know, got done that. Went home. Did his normal recovering. Got to grow his toenails back. All that kind of stuff. And then he'd just get up to to go do a run. He's like, I can't do it. I just physically can't do it. It was like overnight. He went uh, for dinner with his mom one night, and he was sitting at the table. He's like, I'm gonna pass out and you know he literally was on the verge of passing out and um he went to every doctor every specialist you know he's in the military they got access to everything everything. and nobody could do anything for him and then he remembered something from basic training they had a guy come in he was um uh, yogi or something and he was just talking about it, the importance of preparing your body for all the physical activity that soldiers do and uh, so he phoned that guy when he was sick and said hey what do I do and they just gave him two or three stretches to start with and uh, then you know he would do them for hours and hours on end because he's an obsessive compulsive yep. guy and a matter is like 16 months he was back running marathons again and feeling fantastic nice. yeah nice. Yeah, when I, I mean, I've been doing my Googling there to see, you know, um, because obviously fibro doesn't come with a lengthy list of like, here's no. what you do. It's basically like fibro is the thing that they acknowledge when they can't find anything else, right? It's the same it's thing like with autoimmune. Product. It's not a real disease. It, yeah, well, fib- fibro is like not even like that. So like your autoimmunes, you'll find a, a marker in the blood. Mm-hmm. Um, your chronic fatigue and your, uh, and your fibromyalgia, there's no markers. There's no nothing. But it's yeah. clear that the p- patient in front of them is going through something. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, something that's physical, not mental. And so um, that's kind of where it was. And, and really, right, like my, I have a, a massive dose of chronic fatigue that happens with a moderate amount of pain. Moderate, like mm-hmm. not, not super crazy, not, you know, I don't pop pills. They, they're like, we can prescribe you. So I was like, I don't need anything. It's, it's not, not that, that bad. Pain, yeah. Right? Like it, if I have a day that bad, I'll just stay in bed that day. I don't, I don't have enough of them that I really worry about it. Yeah. Um, but it's so fascinating to, to kind of like to Google and see what's out there as far as like, how do you treat this or can yeah. you treat this or what can you add? And the only, the only consistent thing was like sleep better, right? Um, obviously not necessarily more, but get better sleep, work right. on getting better sleep. And so that comes with, you know, meditation or I'm buying a hot tub. So it's a really good excuse. Um, <laughs> Some great breathing apps too. Right. Yeah. Breathing, uh, meditation. And, and one of the big things was like yoga. Yoga was highly on there, right. For flexibility and mobility. And I've been complaining for, you know, most of the last 22 months about how I feel stuck and I feel stuck because I'm not able to move or I'm not moving as much as I was before. And I know that that has an impact yeah. on things start seizing yeah. up when uh, you're super and active I'm when you stop. older. Um, <laughs> than I was. Yeah. And, and so, you know, like for me, it's like, I got to get to the stage where my body will let me do yoga yeah. and I'm not there yet. And I know I'm not there because like I'll do, I'll, you know, I, I, a year ago I went to a hot yoga class with a friend and I literally <sighs> went into downward dog, Yeah, like downward dog first move, right? Downward dog. And I, I went in and my quad just decided, I don't want to do this, right? Spasm. I spent the rest of it in Shavasana. Best nap I've had in a while, (laughs) right? (laughs) And so it's like, it's building the body up to those points where it's going to let you do little bits and pieces. And it's, and it's hit or miss too, right? And it's not, you know, there was, um, within the first year, I think I managed to, to do five runs before my body turned off five runs, five, you know, like, you know, beginner 
5k runs and my body was just like yeah we can do this and then by the fifth one it was like just kidding (laughs) i don't want to do this anymore (laughs) oh okay yeah 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 it's it's uh it's a fascinating world like it changes my guitar playing um i used to be obsessive with that i used to play for eight or nine hours a day you can talk to my parents about it um they used, my mom used to, I, I homeschooled for a year. They yeah. stopped letting me homeschool because I was playing guitar and not doing any of my studies. <laughs> um, like obsessive with playing my guitar, but I physically can't do that anymore. I wow. can't. I, you know, I have to buy straps that help take the weight off of my body in a particular way. I, I can't play for, I would say, more than an hour at a time before my arms start to say, just kidding, we can't do this anymore. Yeah. My arms don't look like they should be stopping playing. There's the only part of my body where it still looks like I have muscle. Yeah. Um, but they just shut down. My fingers lose their dexterity. The- have you tried elimination diet? Like there's some extreme elimination diets that, um, uh, so I talk about this one quite a bit, but Jordan Peterson had uh, arthritis, uh, gingivitis, which yep. is a sign of... Uh, heart disease. Um, He had depression where he was on pills, uh, antidepressants every day. Um, And then he just sort of had enough of enough, like nothing was going very well, emotionally wasn't stable, he was angry a lot. And uh, he tried the carnivore diet. So he went nothing but beef and water. And so not salts, no nothing. He ended up losing like 50 or 60 pounds in like three months. Uh, He uh, came off his SSRIs. His arthritis went away. His gingivitis went away all within a three or four month period. And so it's not that the carnivore diet was necessarily the 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 no, right. No, but it took everything took else away. Everything else out that was causing issues inside yeah. of him, and then he was he's his plan was is to slowly start implementing things like mushrooms and you know uh, even certain vegetables Steak and mushrooms. Super good. <laughs> good Albertan people know this is true. <laughs> right? That uh, but yeah, he just he went this route and feels fantastic. Yeah. Never felt any better. I tried I tried a bunch of things. So I um I did I did a lot of anti-inflammatory eating. I did uh, anti-inflammatory eating without nightshades. I introduced nightshades. I went off dairy. I went off sugar. I went off uh, gluten. I mean, I've been off off and on gluten depending on my mood uh, for (laughs) years, but like I went off gluten for for 90 days. I I went alcohol free. I like, I took out absolutely everything. And uh, in the big picture of that, um, I never found that one that one thing that seemed to throw at the symptoms. I mean, yeah. I noticed the other day I had a smoothie um, from from Jugo, and something in that smoothie definitely triggered a response. Yeah, right. It shouldn't have. It was a bad like, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it. Like I, I had pain shoot up my back for the rest of the day, which Ugh. is re- really fascinating. Um, but it was like it was a smoothie with turmeric and ginger and like so i'm like i'm looking at the list i'm looking at this list and i'm like why would something in this smoothie trigger yeah. me with something in that smoothie my body didn't like maybe it was the almond milk right like it because that's yeah. the one thing i don't use on a regular basis um but like yeah no dairy no soy no gluten um i was doing the walls protocol for a chunk of time there what's the walls protocol walls protocol is uh dr terry walls uh she was a medical doctor is a medical doctor uh, developed MS really, really severely. And uh, her symptoms got so debilitating, she got put into a wheelchair, had to be strapped in because she physically couldn't hold her body weight up. Wow. Um, and so she, as a doctor, went through Western medicine to its fullest extent and was getting no reprieve. And so she started Googling, right? A yeah. bunch of stuff within functional medi- medicine, uh, <laughs> right? If 
we're looking for a sponsor. Um, <laughs> right? She, but she, she went through functional medicine and studied tons and tons in functional medicine and started to kind of read through what they would recommend in functional medicine and then add a little bit more science to it to get very specific. And so she got super, super specific. So she restricted her diet to paleo. So she was vegetarian, um, came off, came off and started adding animal meat in, um, yeah. specifically within this, but it was three cups of greens, three cups of sulfurs, three cups of colored fruits and vegetables every day, plus hmm. nine to 12 ounces of meat and so that's kind of how she started it was very prescribed paleo eating and then she kind of evolved it a little bit further and evolved it a little bit further so there's three different versions of this eating there's the one that's even like it's like she calls it walls paleo plus Um, but (laughs) within that one it's like it's paleo um, meets keto um, within that so it's very concentrated fat content as well um, reducing the amount of the nines right the the three three and three was now be three two and one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, coconut milk being 65% of the fat every day, okay. coconut being 65% of the fat of the day. Yeah. So I tried, I tried that right with like, I mean, obviously I like my green smoothies in the morning, but, um, no I shift. I don't like my green smoothies. In symptoms. <laughs> <laughs> I like smoothies, just not green right? ones. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm, I'm having three cups of, of spinach and kale before anybody gets started yeah. in the morning anymore. And it, I mean, it, it's, I, I don't mind it at all. Yeah. Um, but with that, like I, I found, I found no movement and, and it's, you know, I was hopeful that I would find movement because I mean, this lady basically cured her MS, yeah. which is crazy because that's not something that you come back from. Yeah. Um, right. And she was past the remitting stage and into the progressive stage, which is basically to say you're not regaining anything like yeah. remitting. We can maybe get you into remission and we can keep you there. Um, but once you reach progressive, the best that they're going to be able to do is stop progression and no further but what's there is there and she pushed it all the way through and managed to go from being in a wheelchair to you know riding a bike within a year yeah which is crazy right to unassisted walking to which is which is super super crazy so that to me i was like well i'll eat whatever she's eating (laughs) right like (laughs) harry met sally kind (laughs) of yeah whatever she's having um and and you know try that for a period of time and see if it would if if it would make a difference and Hmm. i mean obviously um the cleaner I eat, the more more clarity there is mentally, yeah. um, and that's just us all as human beings, right? True. That's, yeah. that's that's everybody. That wasn't necessarily a symptom, um, but there was no major shift. And like when I'm eating three cups of spinach, three cups of broccoli, and three cups of red collards in a day, <laughs> <laughs> and nine ounces of protein, you would think that my body would let go of weight too. And that wouldn't happen. So there's like, there's something else in that process that the body is just not, it's not getting, it's not not doing. You know, medical um, technology is coming so far. Even the the general Western medicine Mm -hmm. is starting to look at foods and and how they relate to the body. Slow integration, but it's happening for sure. I I heard that it's 10 years. So once something comes out uh, that we know is true, it takes about 10 years before a GP will get it to a patient, Um, which I get. There's a whole system in place and it's hard to get there. And it's tough for the individual to go and study everything and try it all and record it, you know, and do all this. I I get it. Well, my poor doctor, I would go back because I would be on the Google machine a ton, right? And so I go back and be like, well, what about this? And he'd be like, whoa, 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 slow your horses, right? And and so there was this, there's this argument happening between the two of us where I was just like, okay, I want to talk about natural medicines because Western medicine is not getting me anywhere. Right. So let's talk about things like food and whatever. He's like, well, you should eat well. Okay, yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, 
you, you'd tell that to any of your patients. Like, you're not going to no. tell any of your patients. And like, what does Ugh. well mean? Yeah. Like, so, like, describe it to me. And none of them can. And not to bash on them because they get six hours of nutrition when they're exactly. in university. They just have never dug into it. They're, they're about diagnosing things and what's the compound that'll take care of that. Yeah. And so if you understand that that's what your doctor is, they're great. I go to my doctor all the time. I love her. And I tell her, well, I'm doing this. She goes, oh, how's it working? I'm like, really good. She's like, oh, keep, keep doing, doing that. Yeah, keep <laughs> doing she's an awesome lady. But when I'm stumped and I go, oh, I can't, can you run some tests? Then she goes, yeah, let's run some tests. Yeah. She comes back to me. She goes, what do you want to do about it? I'm like, I'm going to see what food fixes this first. She's like, okay, come back in two yeah. weeks. Let me know how it goes. Yeah, I found it super challenging. Like the, no matter which speci- specialist I saw, they all wanted to put me on an antidepressant. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and while like depression was becoming a symptom, don't, don't mistake me. It, it is so hard to transition your life from like a way of being active that you're accustomed to, to like sitting on a couch permanently yeah. or to not being able to your get up to walk yourself to the bathroom well. or not being able to like cook your own meals. Like it, it is really challenging to process that. Yeah. And, and every time I would go see one of them and we go through whatever process and we talk about my experience and then we go run some tests and I come back and they'd be like, nothing is wrong with you. And I would get frustrated and I'd cry and they'd be like, maybe you should take an antidepressant. And I would get so angry that that was their solution yeah. without acknowledging that in this moment, this is situational. This is situational. It's not a permanent state for me. Right. And don't get me wrong. Those serve a purpose and people need to be on them. Yep. Um, but when that is the first and only thing you want to recommend because of something that obviously is stressful, like yeah. I don't know who, what person in this planet would <clears throat> not walk one day would suddenly overnight not walk. Yeah. Would not have responded even relatively like I did. The, the best description I heard uh, was from Jordan Peterson, uh, uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson, where he says, I don't know how we're not all anxious and depressed. We're infinite creatures. We know what the end is, and it's not pretty. Yeah. We know we're going to be sick. We know we're going to be ill. We know we're going to be tired and weak, and we know all this, yet we go on living. Yeah. <laughs> like how, how are we not depressed and anxious all yeah. the time? And so, and so, I mean, like that was their, that was their one response, and... You know, I, you know, I, I left internal medicine and I got excited going to internal medicine because internal medicine is Dr. House. Mm-hmm. And so TV definitely glorified <laughs> that channel of medicine for me. So I came in, he's like, okay, you're going to internal medicine. I'm like, awesome. And I get there and I'm like, great. I'm going to have some creative minds medically who are going to try and look at my body. And I sat down and I went through the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, right. And I had a really I, good uh, internal medicine doctor with some symptoms that I had. We yeah. couldn't get under control. Um, uh, Dr. Abaweo. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Mm. Um, he was fantastic. So Nicole, uh, um, my wife, she came up with a plan. I talked to him first. And he's like, well, there's no proof that any of that works. But we got nothing for you right now. Yeah. And so I said, okay. So we went on a six-week where we did um, anti-candida diet. We did berberine, a bunch of stuff. I had about four supplements that I was doing. Also, all my symptoms went away. And so I went back to see him. He's like, how is it? I'm like, I don't know. I'm good. He goes, okay, tell me what you took. And we went through everything that I took and the diet that I was on. And I hadn't actually started losing weight yet, but uh, there were still some sugars in that in there. And then I realized that when I had sugar or um, alcohol, if I'd have alcohol more than, say, once every two or three weeks, then my symptoms would come back right away. And what it was was like, uh, you know what a niacin flush is? Like that feeling of being embarrassed? I'd get that over my whole body. And they're like, I don't know. 
they just had they had nothing for yeah. me and all it was was my body i think just trying to like get all the junk out that's in there it was mm. just years of eating like shit and drinking too much and drugs and everything else and my body's finally like okay we're done you're just going to be good now that's what you're going to do so yeah. um once i cleaned myself up got the anti-candida diet i went on like um almost the same as the wall protocol it's yep. lots of vegetables yep. um you know for me it was nine to 12 ounces of meat a day uh mixing in some fish and having some fasting everything went away i dropped 30 pounds in like two and a half months and i was just like Ooh, there we go we're good yep. and the internal medicine doctor was just like and i guess there's nothing i can do for you i'm like i guess not yeah super sweet guy but they, just didn't have they the were answers. really wonderful people like don't get me wrong yeah. and uh, um you know they asked me uh, the the intake of it was really cool like they asked me a ton of questions that i didn't expect to get asked in the process and then when they were when they were done like basically they sat me down and they said okay so just so you understand like we've re- reviewed all of the testing you've had done so far and we really don't think that we're going to find anything wrong with you yeah like we get this from people all of the time there is nothing wrong with them um there's nothing that we can do eventually it's going to go away but what will what will quell your brain tell me what you want us to do to prove to you that you're you're healthy yeah and so they they ran those tests and then when i came wow. back they said see and like we told you, there's nothing wrong with you. Everything is perfectly normal. We want you to understand, like, this is a good thing, yeah. right? Don't get upset. It's a good thing. We're right. telling you it's not cancer because we would see this. It's not this because we would see this. It's not this because we'd see this. So yeah. you should be happy. And I was just like, I would be happier if your patient manner was a little bit better than, like, <laughs> you should be happy, right? Like, you can you can tell me, you yeah. know, we have not come to a conclusion. We're not sure that you should be in our department um, or whatever, but, like, I have a doctor telling me they see people exactly like me all the time and there's nothing ever wrong with them. I think there's something wrong with the design of their medicine, not the design of them, right? It, it, nothing wrong through the eyes of yeah. Western medicine. Yeah, that's, or, that's through, what it or is. through the, the internal medicine channel, yeah. right? Because in my head, I'm like, well, you're seeing a pattern in health and that pattern in health has got to come with something. Right. If there's a good group of people, a, 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 a significant portion of the population is suddenly having uh, a great bouts of lethargy muscles that aren't functioning need to sleep a good chunk of time are getting overly emotional for reasonably frustrating (laughs) things right if you're seeing that and and you're saying there's nothing wrong with us then that's there's something that's going on with population don't get me wrong we're we're now in an era where people are overstressed and over right over exhausted and overexerted and well beyond that we've already discussed we we manage our schedules somehow right (laughs) but um I know that it's there, but there's also a pattern that's happening with people that medicine seems to be seems to be ignoring. And so I think that integration of functional medicine is going to be really amazing, because that integration of functional medicine is and it's going to be challenging because it's got to that's got to you know counteract the pharmaceutical world, and that mm-hmm. is going to be really fascinating. To They'll see. just buy up all the supplement companies. They'll be fine. <laughs> um, I, I fully believe that the pharmaceutical companies are smart enough not to go broke. Right. The uh, the interesting thing when I went through that with Doctor Abeo and, and Doctor Alvi, my doctor, uh, with Nicole, and I lost all that weight. I go in for my yearly checkups, and um, you know all the blood work and prostate tests and all that kind of stuff. Um, and my doctor's like, "How how'd you lose thirty pounds?" So I said, oh, I just did this diet uh, that my wife gave me. She goes, did it really, really work? And I'm like, I lost 30 pounds really easily. I got more energy. I'm, you know, I'm running again. I'm back at the gym again. I'm doing all these things. Um, She goes, I've never seen blood work on a 46-year-old male in our town as good as yours. 
ever. Like she goes, they're all on something. Not to brag. Not to brag, but you know, <laughs> and it's not even me. It's my wife just going, "Hey, let's try not this." Not to brag. And right? I'm. Uh, it's not me. It's yeah. Just my wife. <laughs> yeah. She chose me. Just saying. Just saying. That's true. She's a pretty smart lady, and she knows what she's talking. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, it it this stuff works in 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 my case. Where a majority of the population don't have to be sick. They don't have to take a pill. They don't have to do all this stuff. Just it it's a little bit of work to yeah. get to understand food and what we really need and to be part of the process. Like I had to learn to cook way better than I did before. I was like, oh, we could do some grilled cheese sandwiches and some mushroom soup. That's all pretty healthy, right? Oh, now I make (laughs) mushroom soup with mushrooms and with chicken broth that I boiled and and I, you know, picked the... Where you can control the ingredients. Yeah, 100%. And as soon as you get excited about your food, like the first time I made a homemade soup and it was good, I'm like, oh, everybody needs to try this. (laughs) I'm that good at it, but it's exciting to be successful yeah. at something. Yeah, but yeah. absolutely. Uh, the other thing, so the integration of uh, the technologies and the, the natural medicine. So when I did all that, the doctor actually says, hey, can I talk to Nicole? I have a bunch of patients I think would do really well with what you did with Chad. And so they've started talking now. So now there's a GP, a very, very smart business-minded GP um, that is talking with a holistic nutritionist, and they're going to try to come up with a plan. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, like, it, it is It is hard to believe that we run in channels where um, our maybe our egos drive us so much that we think it has to stay in just the space, right? right? Like, yeah. that we have to get that solution. There's definitely doctors like that. Yeah. I think that... Um, I think I think Western medicine is still kind of caught in that complex where yeah. this is how it is and this is how it's done. Yeah. And so, you know, th- that it, it will be fun to watch that transition. It, I mean, information and media and we, we can Google everything we want to, right, really, really quickly yeah. and gather more information. Information is more readily available. So because we do call into question, we call into question everybody we encounter. We call into question our doctors or we should. Yeah. We call into questions, right, like our accountants or we should, right? We should be questioning the people around us to right. make sure that whatever services they are providing are within our best interest. We should be right. educating ourselves. Like, Now, that doesn't mean that I don't need that professional. It just means I want to make sure that what you're doing is where it should be. They need to describe things differently, I think. So um, I don't know when this started, but like back in the day, salesmen used to be about, I'm going to educate people. Then they're like, well, I'm going to make them think that I'm smart. And so there's this deception that goes on. And the way doctors present things, I even, my mom was having a bunch of issues and we went in to see a specialist and he said a bunch of stuff that just wasn't true. And I called him out on it and he goes, well, there's no proof of that. I'm like, there kind of is, maybe not in your circle. And what I'm telling you is, is like, if you don't absolutely know it's true then how about you say oh you know what i haven't heard of that can i do a little studying a little reading instead of just saying it's not true because there's a large group of doctors that believe in the anti-candida diet for allergies is that you have a bad bacteria in your stomach and he's like well diet doesn't affect uh allergies at all and i'm like um diet affects everything thing everything right yeah. is that that's what every single one of your cells are made out of is the stuff that you put in your mouth so if you fill your mouth full of shit your cells are all going to be shit and so how can that not have an effect on the rest of your body yeah. and uh, i'm not you know, well i am i'm 100 percent selling that you should just change your diet and be a good eater everybody yeah, all the I, time i mean realistically speaking if there's any issue with somebody yeah. we can probably do it with through food right yeah. um the majority 
irony of of hormonal imbalances, chemical mm-hmm. imbalances, um, right? The, the autoimmune issues is is directly linked to 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 leaky gut, right? right? Um, and it's 100%. not to say it's not to say that um, that leaky gut causes blank. It's to say that you're genetically predisposed to one thing, and then by entering into a system where leaky gut is happening, yeah. you open up the door for that thing to, to happen in your body. Right. It's also why when somebody has one autoimmune issue, they can open the door to all of them or any of them or so, more than one of them at a time. And they tend to do that in most cases. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, people, people will say something like, well, I mean, is 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 gluten intolerance because of because of of wheat like the production it's, it's, of the wheat it's it's fake now um <laughs> it's right it's it's fake most people aren't gluten intolerant right it's, it's whatever but what we have is number one uh, a larger population of people yeah. number two greater communication of information than there was before number three greater communication about our health than ever was before so people would work on a farm eat bread every single day right probably have gut but not talk about it because dad just going to whip them if they don't get out into the yard. And so, you know, like the situations or are dramatically different. it was just different. different back then, it right? It was different back then. Yeah. It's it's different continent to continent and how we react to it. Yeah. Um, and, and at the same time, you can eliminate all of these things for a period of time, reset your body, and then eat them. Yeah. Right? So for the people who are like actually allergic, that probably won't work. Right. But for the people who are developing intolerances, that probably will work. Eliminating... Right, allowing the body I couldn't to heal. Agree more. I just went through. So we did like five, six months of like the perfect diet, and like no cheating, no alcohol, no sugars, just uh, veg and meat, and then a little bit of fruit. And I would pick where all my carbs and and natural sugars were going. And like I said, lost thirty pounds, felt amazing, running my ass off all the time. I went away with Ava for a track meet to Edmonton, and I thought, ah, oh, this is a good time to have a little cheat. So I went out, we ate some pizza, had a beer, had a couple of things uh, that were not, you know, McDonald's and eating at the buffet and stuff like that. And I woke up thinking that I was either going to gain weight or feel crappy, and there was nothing. Like it just absolutely the stuff that used to trigger me before just went away. Mm-hmm. My body's now good enough it's that healed. I can put crap in there. Yeah. It'll fix it as long as I don't now, do it every you, day. Yeah, if you did <laughs> that for a regular period of time, it would completely reverse where you were. Exactly. It would represent symptoms. Yeah, and that's. I mean, it's. I think um, the the Western diet, the North American diet, has changed so dramatically yeah. from where it was. Everything is highly processed. Everything is a business of its own, right? And so, because it is a business of its own, right, we're being we're being recommended to purchase things that we have to feed so many people. Like, you can't have everyone eating farm fresh food because there's just so many. How do you get enough carrots for a family? I, I did the math one time. We thought about setting our basement up as a, an indoor, yeah, yeah and, and just growing all of our own food. You know, we, we had to demo our basement for construction issues and that. And then I spray foamed it all. It's like, oh, I could turn this into a greenhouse really easy. We have spray foam. And uh, so I started doing the math and like to, the the amount of room it would take just to get vegetables for our family, we couldn't do it in our basement if it was fully loaded, all the lights to give us all the vegetables we need. I'm like, all right, that's not going to work. I'd need a, like a large garage or something like that, and I could just feed my family. So now take that and add 7 billion more people to it. How do we get that much food out there? The amount of space it takes to grow. We could all just eat less. We could. We we definitely should do that too. (laughs) (laughs) Just eat less. Everybody, one carrot per week. 
ration. Yeah, yeah. Right? We'd yeah. all go back to being need- five foot tall. <laughs> uh, I would go back. You're there. I'm there. <laughs> I am there. But you're older, so. Hmm. So that uh, was our goal talk. I don't know how we got that far <laughs> off. I don't know. That was, so far off. That was unbelievable. <laughs> um, I did add some questions for you. Okay. So I've been thinking about these a lot lately. Um, one is universal income, and yep. two is uh, it's Earth Day. Yep. So we're recording on Earth Day, which is March 29th, 30th? 30th. 30th, yeah. Yep. Uh, this won't go until Thursday, but uh, so in. An hour, a little less than an hour. We'll shut turn our, off the lights. Shut off the yeah. lights and all that. So we have plenty of time to finish the podcast. <laughs> um, but universal income, do you know about this? Uh, illuminate me. So uh, there's a few people that have been talking about this at length lately where they think that if we create a universal income for North America, or Canada, the US, whatever you want to do, that we would um, allow people to be more creative. So just recently I talked to a friend of mine who's a teacher, um, she's got lots of friends that are teachers that have to work two jobs to pay their student loan back, to make ends meet, to get to the next level. But if your basic needs were handled by the government, so everyone got, say, I know this number isn't right, but say we all got $1,000. So my house, everyone over 18 gets $1,000. So me and Nicole each get $2,000 total for our household. That covers our our food, our, our basic health care, you know, should be enough to cover rent or, or mortgage, that kind of thing. That anything we do over and above that um, um, would be for saving for a business or to be more creative or that they just think it's going to generate a better population, that people don't have to work two or three jobs to to do all the things that they need to do in life. And we take away some of those pressures, then all of a sudden we're going to have more inventions, more creative people, more art, more music, more of the stuff that is really essential to human life. But we just spend so much time having to get to our basic needs. So I think um, I would argue against. So the first thing I would say is if this really came down to money, if it just came down to money, um, if being able to create came down to money, uh, we would never have a problem. Right. And the the reason that it, it comes down to money is because it's a tangible thing for us to be able to peek at. Um, because at the end of the day, we spend more money than we need to. Mm-hmm. So if we were willing to be more communal in our living, if we were willing to be more, um, you know, uh, environmental in our driving, if we were willing to be more, um, minimalist in our in the things that we own or the things that we wear the money would be there in almost every case right and so the problem is not that we don't have enough money to do these things with the jobs that we have or even working part-time jobs it's that we choose to want more things than we need right and so we (laughs) we decide right we need more money um and because we decide we need more money we exhaust ourselves and that eliminates the creative point right the second thing i would argue is that if we were as a society more willing to accept and pay for art we'd have more people who would be openly creative and unfortunately we don't and we can see that in every industry i i can't tell you how many times my mother god bless her um (laughs) told me right 
that's just a hobby. You probably shouldn't do that. I can't, like the oh. number of times that I would hear that when I would say, yeah. you know, I just want to be a musician. And the same thing happens with people who want to be painters or people who want to be dancers. Well, you know, that business is really hard. Maybe you should get a plan B. Yeah. And so we teach. Why should hard stop us? Right. We teach people that hard should stop us. We teach people that these are not great ways to make money. We teach people that only a few get by. We teach people that that's the programming that they get. And right. so we teach them that being creative is not productive. And because being creative is not productive, you can't have a secure life. Then we lose the connection to the creativity. Right. And that's more the problem. Money is not the problem. I like that that look. My my thought is a little bit different. I, I, I agree. Money's not the problem. I hadn't thought about that before. But the do you remember maybe you weren't uh, old enough when Ralph Klein was giving away money to everybody? Four hundred dollars. Four hundred bucks, yeah, right? Four hundred bucks. The thing that I remember most about that wasn't getting free four hundred bucks. It was that every store across Alberta was had to uh, take your money. You know, how how do I get the four hundred dollars that Ralph just gave everybody? So if we were to give everybody an extra thousand dollars a month, then every landlord's gonna up your rent by five hundred bucks guaranteed in the next six months that's what a capitalism do they have more how do i get a little bigger piece of that pie i I think universal income is too close to uh socialism and that's probably not the right path because it hasn't worked anywhere else yeah it's 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 a challenging thing because when we take a look at governments um number one let's just talk about spending um (laughs) right so they get they get billions of dollars every single year and then they find ways to get billions more so while they go ahead and continue to take more money out of the pockets of people, they are not giving anything better back in return. That's a problem, right? right? The money is not the problem. It's what we do with money that causes all of the issues with people. Yes, we live in a capitalistic society. Yes, we program people to want to buy things. And every time we find a way to give people money back, we also teach them how to spend it at the same time. Realistically speaking, the socialist side of things if if we were really looking at creating more things and people had the ability to apply for scholarships or for supplement supplemental income for their living to specifically create yeah um that would be that be different than universal income yeah. um you would literally be saying i'm going to pay you for a year so that you can write an album yeah but I- the problem with that is <laughs> who owns the product? Right. Because that's a job. Yeah. Right? So so the government's going to pay us money to create something. Who owns the art? Right. And then... I and mean, what's the value of it? Right? So... Yeah. Now, if everybody can create it, do we see as many special things? Well, I mean, uh, everybody can create it right now. Yeah. Distribution has dramatically changed in, in almost every single facet that we have, right? We've moved yeah. to digital media. We've moved to prints, right? Nobody buys the original anymore except for the really wealthy people. Um, and so everybody can buy a camera. So everybody can be a, an amateur photographer, right? Yeah. Everybody can buy... <laughs> How many of those are on Facebook? Right? Yeah. And so, and you know, Instagram has changed the face of photography because everybody can add a filter to something. Yeah. And so we've actually, we've actually like almost decommercialized art in the last couple of years here with social media and and distribution, you know, with our, with our Google, Google play or our iTunes or our Spotify, right? We have, we have decommercialized purchasing music. Yeah. 
we have made it so that the only way a musician gets paid anymore is to tour. And it was well known long before this that touring is where you go into the red and you need to get grants to do it. You go on tour to gain fans so that they listen to your music. Yeah. But because the only way for them to buy, right now you're hoping they buy your merchandise. You're yeah. hoping that they show up to your shows because them streaming on these mediums is not going to pay you to do it. And so, you know, we, we run into that issue. Prints versus original purchases on paintings. We're talking about, I mean, it's wonderful because you can sell the same painting God knows how many times, but you're selling a print for five, ten dollars. Right. Right. And if you are an unknown artist, you're probably selling prints and not selling your original art. So how many two dollar stamps do you need to sell of your of your piece before you can actually make a profit? Yeah. And then, you know, like they can still come, you know, like still charges a good chunk of stuff for the supplies to create said things. Um, but the distribution of it to, to monetize the distribution of it is really challenging in any form of art anymore. Yeah. I, I would say the best answer is to um, give education away for free. Like if I was going to choose one thing to do, it would be not to give everybody, a, you know, their basic income taken care of. It would be like, if you want to learn something, learn here's it. a university, there's no charge. Yeah. You know, it's still work. You still got to do all the reading. You still got to do all the tests. You still have to work and make a living while you're doing that. Write a paper, learn something new, teach us a science. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. That would be super amazing. But instead they made education and business so. right yeah and, and and i that would be the one thing that i would love to see the government take over is to be um in charge of of making sure that every canadian is well educated but that doesn't make any sense either because then <laughs> who who's gonna vote for the assholes that we have in and i shouldn't even be saying this i know we're supposed to support our leaders but who's gonna vote for a politician when you're smarter than the politician because you're re- the the majority of the population is really well educated we're not in high school anymore the popular kids don't just get to do what they want that's right and that's the problem that we've run into except for every party we have right now has a popular kid who's just like kind of an asshat so we're we're in this really challenging space of politics no matter (laughs) where in the world we go to it seems um it is it is super challenging and when you you know i didn't think this way as a kid when i when i looked at like what party would i support um i didn't think in that way at all but now all of a sudden i see i pay you money I pay you money every day. Mm-hmm. I go work my butt off. I pay you money. And what the hell are you going to do with it? Right. How is it going to come back? How is it going to come back for the people around me? How is it going to come back for my community? Yeah. How is it going to come back for the things that are important to me? And we have a whole bunch of people who are like, actually, I don't really care about any of those things. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I'm going to do with the it. The up talking is, <laughs> is through the roof <laughs> upsetting for me. <laughs> I cannot stand that stuff. Um, I have a theory about politicians. And if they got paid the average of their constituents, imagine what things would change. So we live in the town, of, or I live in the town of Airdrie. And in our America, I think they paid good. I don't think he gets paid great. Um, but I think our overall income in this town is pretty good. And so he should get paid good if he's bringing in an industry and making it worthwhile for people to live here um, and making our life better. Yeah, you should pay that guy really, really well. But if our average pay in Canada, say for our prime minister, our average pay in Canada is, I think, what is it, 65000 or 67000 or something like that per person? Well, that's what you get paid. You, you, know, you want a better paycheck? Well, then bring the average up. 
Like, and maybe you scale it. Maybe you don't get the average. Maybe you get 50% over the average if you're the prime minister and we'll work like, that down. What if it was a, like a bonus program um, based on how much money was left over at the end of the day? Oh, what if it was, right? what if it was like, um, you know, like uh, you get paid a bonus percentage of the increase in gross net, right? Like the, the, the yeah. GDP, if you can increase the GDP, we'll give you a bonus check. Right. That would be. And make the, it a big one. Make yeah. it like winning who's uh, who wants to be a millionaire. We'd see pipelines get built that way. <laughs> <laughs> Just a few. And it's got to be not at the detriment of yeah. the people around them, right? Well, because that happens in other countries, uh, communist countries, where you know we don't care about the drinking water. We're just bringing big business in. There has to be well, some kind of... Well, it's just like we're, we're, at this point, we're, we're seeing that kind of stuff happen here. We're seeing First Nations lose their water supply so yeah. that Nestle cannot pay us money to... To steal our or to buy our water, but they actually don't have to pay for it. Right? How, how does that make sense? I know that's a resource. It's a resource people need to survive, but you can pump it off to them so they can sell it back to us in two dollars a bottle. And I heard the, and I don't know if this is true, so please don't sue me. Um, that the CEO of Nestle said that uh, water wasn't a um, a right; that it was a privilege. Yeah. So. Um, Cool, but if I have water rights <laughs> on my land, right? If that's part yeah. of my 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 land titles, obviously water is a right. It is, yeah. right? And if that's something that is required to help me survive, yes, that is a right. Yeah. Like, if, do people need big fancy houses? No. Do yeah. people need cars? No. Do people need gas? No. Do people need food? Yeah. Yeah. Do people need water? Yeah. yeah. Those are things that help them live. Do people need clothing of some kind? Absolutely. Yeah. Right? I don't know. Maybe up here we do. Go a couple hours <laughs> for south. A few, it's okay. For a few, for a we can few walk around hours, naked. Right? It's yeah. all good. For a few hours of the day. You're not well, white lightning. Yeah. I, you know, we're an hour and a half into this. You want to talk about the uh, earth? We're, uh, we're earth almost hour? at earth hour. Okay. Earth we're hour. on that path. Nice. Uh, do you celebrate celebrate earth hour? Uh, you know, I tend to forget, but I'm also usually <laughs> asleep by that point in time. So Yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah. I'm, I'm horrible at remembering. I heard it on the radio, which I almost never yep. even listened to the radio because uh, I'm a podcast guy, so I listen to podcasts. <laughs> um, if I do listen to music, I buy it through Amazon or iTunes or something like that. Do you like buy that. it or do you stream it? I stream this it through. This is a through, very important question. Uh, yeah. I'm, I I listen very rarely, but I'll stream it through yeah. uh, Amazon because I bought the uh, the membership or whatever it yeah. is there. Um, and we're looking at a Spotify for the kids. Uh, so we, we would buy it. I wouldn't I wouldn't steal it. Although it's not stealing. Streaming is not stealing. Streaming, you purchase a subscription. Yeah. The crazy yeah. part is, is that per song that gets streamed, less than three-tenths of a penny. <laughs> Goes to the artist. Goes to the artist. Yeah. Well, that's the crazy part. I do go to live shows, though. I enjoy that's live super music important. a lot. Super um, important. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm not a good support. <laughs> I'm, I'm a good supporter of the um, acting arts. Yeah. I love going to live plays and theaters, yeah. but music is is far down on because I'm just not a. It's not that I'm not a music fan. Like there's certain songs that will click, and you'll be like, "Oh, I remember when I heard this the first time," or yeah. I remember dancing with this person, or whatever. But it's not an important part to my everyday life. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, it, it varies for everybody, right? Like it's, uh, I have friends who are, who are amazing actors and amazing playwrights and I wish them nothing but the best. Yeah. And I just don't make it out to shows. Like I just, I just yeah. don't. It's, it's, I love that they're creative. I am so grateful. I give money to their Kickstarter campaigns because I want to see them do it. Or yeah. I tell people that they got to go watch their stuff because I know they're very talented people. It's the same thing with me as a, a I can't stay out that late anymore. <laughs> so if I'm not like How already there, if, I, if I, yeah, 
35. Right. But if I'm not, if I'm not already out at seven 30, if I'm not already there yeah. and you're asking me to go, like I was supposed to go to a show last night with a friend at 10 30. I couldn't do it. Yeah. Couldn't do it. It was 10 30 because at eight o'clock I was like, Oh man, but so I'm just going to have a nap then. Like yeah. just lay down <laughs> for a nap now. Dang. Like So when you're better, you'll be able to get back into that stuff. Oh yeah. I, yeah. And I, I'll stop waking up five o'clock in the morning if I yeah. have to. Yeah. Cause right now, like at 46, I'll get people calling me at nine o'clock. Go, Hey, you want to do something? And I'm in bed <laughs> in my underwear and, and then I'm like, yep, let's go do it. Let's I hop out. Throw some I hear tequila on. comes back around too. So that's a, that's good news. I, I don't drink. Tequila makes me hit people. So I stopped drinking tequila. My mom and dad were like, I drank a lot of tequila in college and then I had that bad tequila experience, which mm-hmm. means tequila goes away. Yeah. Um, and then you just can't smell it for apparently about 30 Ooh, years. Long and then, and then roughly when you're about, roughly when you're about 50, you can start drinking it again. And it doesn't matter how many bad nights you have. You can't have a bad one. If my parents teach me anything, that is what they taught me so far <laughs> in their fifties. So I look forward to the lessons. They're back to tequila now. Yeah. Oh, I can't do it. I, um, I don't even like the taste of it. Never mm. have, but a good rum. I'm in all day long. I uh, I told you about um, being clean for all those months, and yep. I have a buddy that was working on the same thing. And so uh, his wife's a doctor, so they get a free condo in out of town, the ski resort, and she's the only doctor there. Yep. So they invite us up for the weekend. And on the drive up there, he's like, I really feel like drinking. And it wasn't like, oh, let's have a sip of wine. It was like, let's have a bottle of something. <laughs> and so I went, all right, I'm in. <laughs> so I picked up a bottle of rum. He picked up a bottle of rye. And literally in three drinks, I drank a 26 or a rum. It was insane. And then we had to ski the whole next day. And I had to teach my son how to ski. So, yeah, I was 85, 90% done the bottle of rum. When his wife came down, I was like, you guys need to go to bed. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I got up 7 o'clock in the morning and skied all damn day. Oh, so man. I could do it. Good to know. Good to know. I look forward to these things. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds so good. Uh, Back to Earth Hour. Yeah, Um, yeah. I tend not. I tend not to. um, Mostly because I tend to be asleep by that point in time. Um, So you're participating. Yeah, inadvertently. Um, I mean, consciously, it doesn't mean that I don't support uh, taking better care of this wonderful yeah. place that we live in. It does have to happen. Yep. Um, it's also doesn't mean that I'm not pro oil, pro oil. I come from an oil and gas family. I believe in it. I also believe in alternative fuels. Um, I believe in transitioning industries instead of jumping from one to another. Cause you yeah. just can't do that. Doesn't, doesn't, Bad. doesn't work for anybody. Doesn't work for industries that exist. Doesn't work for economies. Doesn't work for families supporting their trying to support themselves. Um, it doesn't work for new technology coming in because nobody knows how to use it. Um, but I mean, obviously, uh, I we live in a world where people still throw cigarette butts out the fucking window. I know, burn I, down half of BC, I don't California. Un- yeah, I don't understand why why we do that. I don't understand why, you know, we have. M- people who throw garbage out their windows. I don't, I don't get that. I used to do 4-H cleanup every year for Saturday in May. Yeah, yeah. I, I am proud when I drive by them every single year that they're taking that time yeah. to fundraise for their clubs, but to take care of this, this, this place that we live. Right. Um, yeah. I'm, you know what I don't get? I had a discussion. I can't remember who is with, but um, I think what we're doing has an impact on the earth for sure. But the earth is going to win does every time yeah um it'll it'll be done with us someday yeah and be uh whatever 
Just look at the dinosaurs. Just look at the dinosaurs. Dinosaurs went. Was that an asteroidal hit? I, I don't. I don't know what the answer is. I wasn't there when it happened. I don't have a recording <laughs> of it. But uh, I know things have changed on this planet a yeah. lot, and it wins every damn well, the, time. Well, it's a living organism too, yep. right? And so that's um, scary to think about. But it's that's something to consider. Is it's a living organism too? Every adaptive behavior that we have, uh, both mentally and physiologically, it does too. Mm-hmm. It recreates itself. And so, yeah, I agree with you 100%. At yeah. some point in time, it's going to win. Now, Why would however you long... a fight with someone you're going to lose <laughs> <Yeah>. to? <laughs> right? The b- biggest, baddest mother in the room, right? And, right. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, taking care of the earth is not entirely about the survival of the earth, but it's about the survival of us. Right. And if we choose... Right. If we choose to want to stay and continue to inhabit, to, you know, give a life to our children, um, we need to give them something to live with. A hundred percent agree. I had a podcast guest on Carla Mayfield that she talked about uh, some older cultures where like in, I think it was in Italy where they literally would forest the area, cut and mill all the wood for their kids or their grandkids homes. And it would sit there until they had kids and or grandkids or whatever it was. So they had planned so far in advance um, that uh, they would cut down the trees needed so for the next... So they could grow new ones? So they could grow new... That's just crazy. Right? What, you like cut a tree and plant a tree? <laughs> That's right. just crazy. And you would save it for the next yeah. generation. Nothing that they owned, they made. It was all made by the previous generation. So that's what they did is we just passed it down where everything nowadays is about me. How can this make my life better? Yeah. How can I yep. um, not have to do the work? Immediate how can... gratification. I know. I don't know Very how we lost that. If it was the the culture that came over from Europe that you know they had to do so much for themselves that, that we started there. I think part of it is just like the evolution of, of um, development, right? Like so they just... They came over here, they developed things, and then somebody wanted to be creative, and they developed another thing, and they developed another thing. And, and you know, uh, our ideas are products of convenience. Mm-hmm. And so it, within these products of convenience, it does become selfish. Yeah. Right? And then, I mean, if we look at the modernization of our homes, we went from mom stayed home to take care of things to, right, we had enough expenses that women needed needed to work to, yeah. right? Not just wanted to, but needed to work to. Now we are in a society where it's almost dependent that both people in the household work. It's very hard um, if you have one income coming in. Yeah. It's also very hard if you have two incomes coming in and kids in daycare. Um, and so they, we've convenience has become more uh, more necessary yeah. and because convenience has become more necessary we become more internally focused in that process because and i think that i make this work you you said this earlier that you know it's it's about planning it's about budgeting it's about knowing how to deal with numbers not going after you know uh, i want the same house as the jones because you know every five years when our mortgage come due we go look at new houses and we've been here for 15 years. Uh, we look and go, nope, I like my house. I like that I'm five years closer to paying it off. Um, yeah. I like that I got like seven years left on my mortgage and I owe, no- owe nobody nothing. Yeah. Like everything's paid off. And so every time we think about, oh, our truck looks like a piece of crap. That's, uh, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, I'm okay with that. But n- some people aren't. But you have to have the finances to do it ahead of time. No, it's, yeah, realistically speaking, like any of the choices that we make with with our purchases with money, um, it's got to come down to realist. Like my, my belief is one of two things, either you need to be able to afford to, to do that and support your other essentials. Yeah. 
or you need to support your other essentials and develop the ability to afford. Right. And most people don't make choices that way. So I know you're big into finance, yes. uh, but we'll discuss it on the next podcast. So I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this up, but yep. next time you come on, yep. we'll talk about your album. Okay. So in the summertime, yep. June, July, June, come back I think, on. I think I'll release it for my birthday. There you go. Uh, well, then we'll celebrate your birth. We'll have a podcast and then a bottle of rum. I'll get you some tequila. <laughs> you can't do tequila yet. Not tequila, You're not 50. Yeah. I'm wine. I'll just do wine. Do wine. Or okay. gin. Or gin. Or gin. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, let's plan for that in the okay. summertime. Uh, you can tell people. Are you on social media right now? Yep. Pumping yep. it up? So, what's yep. your social media? Uh, I believe it's uh, T Warby. So, at T Warby Music. Um, on Facebook okay. and T Warburton Music on Instagram. Perfect. I'll get you to share with me and we'll link it all yeah, on there. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, so thank you for coming out. I Thanks didn't know what me. I wanted to know from you, but uh, we got to know a lot. Right? So it's a good chat. Yeah, it's a good chat. I look forward to next time. So everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for sharing. Everyone that's sharing, um, if you think of anyone that wants to sponsor the show, make, you send them, make sure you send them our way. So have a good day. Love you guys. Bye. And stop. Did it stop? I, I said I was finished. <laughs>